phrase to me. Um, I don't know how many years ago now, I was the guest of Kay Arthur and the Ministry of Precepts Ministry. Myself and a team from Modern Homemakers went to Chattanooga. <laughs> and we were there for a week and I taped 24 hours of materials for women on the subject of choices matter. Choices matter. And um, just this morning, I was drawn to uh, a conversation with someone about did we make a choice and was the choice for today or was the choice for today and tomorrow I would change it. Because today's choices matter. Every choice you make matters. And we all have the freedom to choose. I find that I'm not going to buddy trail, because if I do, we'll be here all day. But of the, of the things that I, in my whole lifetime, in my lifetime of faith, that I ever wondered about God. You know, you hear people say they were yelling at God, or they asked God and God had to show them. I never went through any of that. But I certainly was very confused by the one true living God, who I believe to be in charge of everything, giving me choice. <laughs> I still remember it like it was yesterday. I was thinking, what are you thinking, God? You, you let me make, my, make a choice? Like, I don't have any. You are God. Like, tell me what to do. I don't know exactly how long I wrestled with that overarching concept, but for a while. I kind of came in and out of a different sort of that question. And then I came to this, this pause with a bolt. That's the only way I can describe it. It was a pause of, oh, no more questions about why would he give me choice. This bolt of understanding that no one, no one, are you all listening to me? No one. I remember a young man who said, I don't really like to be told what to do. And I literally laughed out loud. I, I just burst into one of those rockets. you got to be kidding me. <laughs> you don't like to be told what to do. It was like he had this moment of an epiphany. He was the only person in the world who didn't like to be told what to do. And after I calmed myself down and I was grateful, it was an old and dear young friend. And I said, oh, dear man, you and every other human being. Nobody likes to be told what to do. And, and, and this, this filter of nobody likes to be told what to do. And God gave me choice. And the fact that he doesn't tell me what to do. He says, here it is. Take it or leave it. It's your choice. And I felt that was too big for me when I was a younger person. And then I realized that nobody wants to be loved because they've been told what to do. 
And God, the God of great love, wants me to love him because it's my choice. So choices matter. Choices matter. And that series is available to you on our wonderful website with lots of free resources and buying resources and film studies and so forth. But choices do matter. And if you're in a place where most of us are in this wickedly confounding um, decade, um, the last two years of so many more questions than there are answers about health and life and relationships and divisions, um, I think Choices Matter would be a great encouragement to you. Today I want to talk to you, after that early little mini lecture there, I want to talk to you about listening through a spiritual practice called the examine. Now you know what an examine is. You go for an examination. What do they do? They poke you and push you and put you in front of the screen, perhaps take a picture. Um, they examine a portion of your body or they examine your head to see if you're um, all together there. You need your head examined, I can remember, and my mother shouting. Um, yes, and I think that this examine opportunity that we all have is a spiritual process. It brings spiritual freedom, but it takes some listening. It takes some listening. So I want to spend a few minutes talking about how we listen to God, how we listen to others, and how we listen to ourselves in this idea of an examine. So what is an examine, really? And I, I would direct you to Psalm 139 and say, if I wanted to write somewhere in my Bible, where is the definition, a scriptural, biblical, theological definition of taking a spiritual exam? It would be right here. And that's Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, which you're very familiar with if you've been in church at all. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And I have written in my um, study Bible, I am willing and I submit myself to this examination, this searching, this knowing. He knows my thoughts. He knows my heart. He knows why I do what I do. He knows the wickedness. He knows what goodness there is. And I need to stay closely in touch with that so that I don't go off and think, hmm, I got that one covered, or go off and say, no, that doesn't apply to me. And the second passage is also found in Psalm. One of my, oh, I, I try not to say favorites about the scriptures, but there are, there are verses and passages that I cling to, that I repetitively return to, that I quote in sessions I have with men and women one-on-one. -on -one. And this is Psalm 51, verse 6. This is the psalmist saying to God, the psalmist, a human being saying to the one true living God, you, God, desire truth in my inward being. Therefore, Teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Did you know you have a secret heart? 
Did you know that the one true living God knows absolutely everything about you? And that this passage says to me very clearly that he desires truth in my insides. There's no place that gets more confused faster than my insides. And he closes that verse by saying, teach me, teach me this wisdom. Teach me the wisdom of my secret heart. The heart that I, that I can't access. The heart that I don't understand. The heart of whatever emotion and feeling. And this process of taking time to examine ourselves is a process that will help us get to the ability to hear him talk about the wisdom of my secret heart. So listening is a part of this examination. We listen to God, we listen to others, and we listen to self, whether that's in solitude or we listen in action. I spent um, 10 days, eight days of quiet last summer in a retreat center by myself. There was a lot of listening going on, a lot of listening to God and the Holy Spirit and listening to my own thoughts and examining what I'd been taking in, what I was learning, what I knew, what, what emotional and spiritual and mental things get in the way of my doing what God calls me to do. I think this, this ability to listen is about a part of our discernment. And to discern something is to keenly understand and to listen, not only to God, but to others and to myself. And from that, distill what God is calling me to do. John 1, 1 says he spoke and he speaks and God is not silent. I do have some people who come to my office and this is a phrase that I've heard many times. I I want to say it aloud because I want to remind you that someone who says God didn't show up or I waited for God to show up, I want to correct them. I want to remind them that God is always there. He is always present, always present everywhere. Now, you may not be aware of his presence, but God's not a God who shows up. God is always there, always there, always ready to speak to us, always ready to be silent with us, always ready to reveal himself to us. So the facts are that God is not silent. He has never been silent. It is the nature of God to speak. The second person of the Trinity is called the Word, the Word. That's a quote from Tozer. Now, I'm going to give you a couple of passages that I'm not going to read. If you're interested in the subject, uh, note them down and look them up at your leisure. Matthew 11.15, Isaiah 6.9, Jeremiah 5.21, Ezekiel 12.2, Mark 8, 10. And I'm going to read that one more time. Matthew eleven fifteen, Isaiah 6, 9, Jeremiah 5, 21, Ezekiel 12, 2, and Mark 8, 10. So 
So how do we listen to God? What are the vehicles that we listen to God? First is the scripture. He speaks through the scripture, and if I listen and believe, I can apply that uh, message, that language. And the second is he speaks through the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. So our exercise in the examine has to do with listening to God, listening to others, and listening to self. So listening to God is not hard because he speaks quite frequently. He speaks through the scripture, page after page, idea after idea, and he speaks through the Holy Spirit. And I do want to just read that verse to you. It's in the book of John, John chapter 14, verse 26. And I'm one second away from that. John chapter 14, verse. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Teach you everything and remind you of all that I've said to you. How many times have you heard what people often call the still small voice? Or I heard that little voice. And I have a young woman who I meet with regularly and she said, I heard that little voice and I looked at her and called her by name and I said, is it a little voice? Whose voice is it? And she sheepishly said, it's God. I guess it's not that little. <laughs> I thought, that's terrific. That's just wonderful. It's God. It's just not that little. We, we, I think we're afraid to say God is speaking to us. Don't be afraid of that, God. Get in the habit of regularly listening to God who speaks to you. He speaks to you through his word, and he speaks to you through the power of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, listen to others. Listening to, uh, listening to others. Let people evaluate. Let people give you results. Take tools of examination, uh, tests, profiles, anything that you can put your hand on that will help you learn about yourself through the vehicle of someone else's creation. Feedback, test results, evaluations, um, investment in opportunities to hear someone say, this is what I see in you. Don't be afraid of someone saying, this is what I see in you. Let me commend this in you. Let me remind you what, what God has already said. And let them speak into you, not only in exercises that are affirming, but also let them speak into you about your weaknesses. You have some, you know. We all do. I think so often when I said a few days ago about repeating or rewriting our history, we repeat our history because we're too afraid to let someone say, you know, you have a weakness, it looks like. And I pray that you are developing relationships in your life that you can speak to in that vein and that you can listen to in that vein. Someone who can speak into your heart, into your life, Acknowledging your weakness. Acknowledging something you have trouble with. Could I just pause and say, don't be defensive? Oh, Donna, that's so hard. I know. I know how hard it is. But this notion of getting into relationship enough with people that when that person says to you, Donna, you were so, what was that all about? 
If I'm defensive about that, if you are defensive about that, what I'm really saying is, I don't want to grow, Lord Jesus. I just want to be like I am. Now, in my head, I always want to grow. But when I've done something that shows my weakness and someone reminds me of it, I want to be defensive. But in the moment, what I'm really saying is I don't want to grow. And the second thing is disbelief. Uh, when someone speaks to us about our weakness, we're defensive or we have disbelief. I don't do that. No, that's not so. You must be talking about someone else. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't say. No, I didn't mean. I mean, both are defensive. But disbelief. If you believe that you don't have any faults, if you are unwilling to let someone in your life speak into your life about your weaknesses, your, your, your biggest weakness is that you believe that you're perfect. And I want to encourage you to open your heart to people, to God, certainly to his word, and to the spirit that reminds us what our weaknesses are and what does he say in our weakness he is strong because in our strength he can't be strong because we have our own strength it substitutes for God's strength so speak into your own weakness acknowledge it acknowledge your needs and let others speak into it and then lastly listen to yourself listen to yourself I, I, I was thinking about this as I was putting this material together and I thought I wonder how often I listen to myself, and then I sort of practiced it for a few days and thought, you know, I listen to myself best when I create my quiet places. And I've learned to do that in these last few decades of my life with insistence, because I can get so full of noise, my own noise. Now there's so many noises around us. It beeps, it dings, it rings, it talks, it calls, it emails, it texts, it beeps to tell me more words, more voices. This is a little more than turning off your phone. This is a little more than disconnecting your uh, text messaging. This is about being quiet with yourself. Do you have some dreams? Do those dreams pop up and, oh, you're having a serious discussion around the table with some couples in your life and talking about the dreams of the future, but then tomorrow you get up and off you go into your regular life and it's not getting anywhere near your dream or your vision. Or pain, pain that you carry with you from the past that you're bringing into the present. Or a pattern in your life that you know needs adjustment. These are things that we need to create and listen to ourselves. So we're listening to God, we're listening to others, and we're listening to ourselves. We're listening to the dreams we had. My husband and I love musicals. We are, we're sorry, we're just old and old. And we love all the musicals that were written in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. And, the Music Man, 76 trombones. And we were talking about and singing through the songs somewhere as we were driving recently. And I said to David, what's that movie about? And he said, in just in a flash, it's about having a dream. And I thought, oh, yeah, she had a dream. The librarian, Mary and the librarian. And he had a dream. And, and 
their dreams became one. So do you have dreams? Do you have visions of things you want to do? Are you looking ahead and wondering how did the last two years get by? And then creating the quiet place to look at those things and then creating a plan to take action. I always talk about the first of the year, but I want to remind you that the first of every day is a good time to pause and say, what action am I taking? Am I keeping my Sabbath days? Am I finding time for silence? Am I finding time for God? Am I finding time to create friendships with people? What do I make a priority in my day? Is my going to my job and making my income more important than all these dreams that I've had? Well, listening to God, to others, and to self is a way to practice the examine and a way to find freedom in what God has created you to do. I hope that this year you'll make some time to practice the examine. There are a number of good books available these days, and I would commend to you Adele Calhoun's Spiritual Disciplines book, and you'll find three pages on about 60 or 70 different kinds of personal disciplines and practices that will enhance your relationship with God, and the examine would be found there. I'm Donna Otto. This is Modern Homemakers. And remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go out and make the very uncommon day of listening to God, others, and yourself.